0: Hello, I'm Kyle Caldwell, and this is On The Money, a weekly look at how to get the best out of your savings and investments. In this episode, I'm joined by Mike Seibenberg, who is full manager of the Allianz Technology Investment Trust. It's been a strong start for the year for tech shares. So I'll be asking Mike whether this is the start of better times to come for the sector, which has naturally been negatively impacted by increases in interest rates. So Mike will be explaining The changes he's made to the portfolio following interest rate rises, the tech trends he's backing for the long term and his thoughts on the recent breakthroughs we've seen in artificial intelligence with microsoft leading the way with its chat gpt software so mike it's been a strong start to the year for tech the fangs in particular have seen their share prices soar does this reflect that share prices and valuations fell too much in 2022 In response to higher interest rates
1: yeah you know it's a great question and and if i just think about the durability of some of these businesses i I don't think you can underestimate what important uh, parts of your daily lives something like a google is something like you know if you just think about the apple ecosystem um so you know as i sit here today and i think about just the, the 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 price share prices appreciating i think it's really a function of People probably got overly concerned last year about higher interest rates, and now they're kind of looking at a, at evaluation. And you know, you can go out in time and for multiple years and look at some of these businesses and really understand how they're going to generate cash flows and how you know they're probably not they're probably not going away. So you know, I think the important thing that we try to focus on with the trust is really to think about. What are those secular ideas that we can monetize over a multi-year basis? And for, in the trust, for the trust in specific, we tend to be underweight, the mega caps, and we tend to be more focused on mid-cap growth traditionally. Um, that is, it doesn't mean we're always focused on that, but we really, our process is really more predicated on trying to identify those companies that can be you know, the next Facebook or the next Apple.
0: So the question investors will be asking themselves going forward is whether this strong start of the year for tech has longer legs. So, Mike, what are your thoughts on that? And does it very much depend on whether we are at or close to peak interest rates with inflation being contained?
1: Well, I mean, I think, first of all, I think inflation is a really important factor um, across all asset classes. Right. I mean, if any. You know, I happen to like to cook, and if you've been in a grocery store over the past, you know, couple of years, you can really feel you can really feel the prices. I mean, I happen to live in San Francisco, uh, but you know, I'm I travel enough. I you know I come over here. Uh, funny enough, I looked at the uh, exchange rate when I landed and realized that it's going to cost me a little more money, which is probably ha- uh, music to your ears uh, as the dollar has gotten a little weaker uh, versus the pound uh, over the last uh, six months. But uh, you know. T- 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 if I think about inflation, I think that the the average investor and the average fund manager wants to anticipate when we think you know the, the slope of that curve is at its steepest and then start looking out over time so I, I think interest rates are important. I don't think they're the primary driver I think the primary driver for most of these businesses at the end of the day is just kind of like what what are the supply issues that we we obviously during COVID weeks ex, we experienced some real issues with the supply chain. And now, you know, we're working our way through that, which is a good thing. Um, you know, you're kind of seeing that reflected in some of the semiconductor companies having, you know, weaker results because there's less, there's less, wor- there's less need to accumulate inventory because it, the inventory is more available because of the supply chain. And then just thinking about tech overall, um, the way I th- I'm thinking about it is the valuations are pretty reasonable. Here again, if you go out on a multi-year basis, if you just think about the relevancy of tech, Relative to something like the S and P five hundred, it is an increasing percentage of an index like that. And, and 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 I really think this is the important part of the to answer your question is, it's just how companies create competitive advantage. So you know, I'm not good enough to know if the strong start in a quarter. Is going to revert back next quarter. That's just not something I'm very. That's not what we kind of focus on. But I do think with a multi-year time horizon, you know, tech is an asset class that should continue to do well. No, understanding that the last couple of years haven't been haven't been great.
0: You mentioned, you know, the focus is on the mid-cap stocks, and yep. you don't have all of the big heavyweight U.S. To- stocks. But I know, I know that you do have a position in Meta, yeah, which has had a very strong start of the year, and um, it's up around 70% in the first quarter.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, if we think about, you know, the trust, and I really think about... The, the stocks we own is kind of a three-layer, a three-tiered cake, right? You have high-growth innovative companies, you have kind of growth at a reasonable price, and then you have value stocks that have you know potential special situations. The interesting thing about Meta is when I bought it for the trust, it was actually in that value-based bucket with a special situation, and the situation was the following. Um, it was clear that Facebook in 2022 had a real headwind with TikTok. Really, kind of, you know, you know, if you use a. Um, a soccer analogy, um, they were ahead by many goals uh, in 2022. Um, And uh, what we saw in the back half of the year, it was uh, they started to improve Instagram, specifically Reels. So as the Instagram Reels product became better, it really was a more compelling offering vis-a-vis TikTok. Um, And that's just continued. That trend has just continued. So when when, when I bought it uh, late Q4 of last year, I really kind of had a thesis that reels didn't have to do great. It just couldn't do worse. Right. Given the valuation. So I had valuation on my side, I had a potential catalyst vis-a-vis reels improving. And I was also in, and this is just part of our process. I, we had done some, uh, some research that kind of showed us that TikTok users were also starting to use reels a little. And that like, when I heard, when I saw that, that really, um, Uh, that really kind of light bulbs went off in my head and I was just like, the stock's too cheap. Um, So I, you know, I think Facebook's a good business. I think that, you know, you know, there are things they could do. I think that, that, that would really extract lots of value. I'm not convinced that, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's going to do that. I.E. I think if, you know, if, if tomorrow they said we're no longer interested in the metaverse, I think the stock would be up, you know, Twelve, ten percent, twelve percent. But uh, I think that you know we still have risk, pretty good risk reward on the stock. It isn't as compelling as it was uh, when we bought it. But uh, you know, I, they're 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 a company that knows how to execute. Um, there are a lot of moving parts right now, like a lot of tech companies. They're reducing their headcount. People are becoming more efficient. Um, you know they're probably getting at the at the margin you know less uh, you know good food free food which uh, which is fine by me as a shareholder because those are our dollars so i feel pretty i feel pretty good about their positioning looking forward. So I think that you know, if they execute well, they have a chance to continue to kind of show the world. Um, you know remember, you know, this is a company where people have a long memory and we all remember their dominance. So I don't think you have to own it thinking they're going to dominate like they did previously, but you know doing better uh, for, for a value stock is, is a powerful force at the, in the stock market.
0: And are there any other stocks you'd highlight that have had a strong start to the year i mean admittedly it's a yeah. very short time period but yeah. i think it's, it's yeah. always interesting to yeah. see what's yeah done well. with the
1: caveat that i try not to like optimize for the quarter having said that i mean some of the holdings you know if i take a look at a company like a palo alto networks which has been uh a positive attribution uh, in in Q1 for us. Look, you know that kind of fits within the framework. Going back to that notion of secular secular investing, it's part of the cybersecurity universe, right? Cybersecurity is a portion of technology that'll just continue to benefit primarily because. As you know, whether it's a cloud workload, whether it's artificial intelligence, whether it's you know traditional data center um, deployment of, uh, of an application, that just requires spend around cyber security. And you know, um, you know, if you've ever heard me before, I often kind of remind investors that part of our lives being great due to digitalization bring with it a challenge of cybersecurity. And specifically, if you think about the adversaries and their level of sophistication, It isn't, you know, the five of us in this room today trying to hack into, you know, a corner store. It is nation states with well-funded organizations that view it as, you know, from a military perspective, right? And therefore, companies really have to spend. They need to spend around cybersecurity in a very layered approach with the under the premise that they're probably going to get breached somehow, some way. And therefore, what's that secondary protection level, what's that third? Uh, level of protection so um, you know pa- uh, Palo Alto comes to mind a company I call, a company called HubSpot which is another um, uh, it's it is a uh, application they' primarily focus on you know helping smaller businesses market their services better um, a little uh, customer relationship software but um, you know the really interesting business it's a company that that I've known for the past probably seven eight years great management team, uh, you know, uh, current CEOs doing a really good job there, excited about, um, you know, kind of how how they're solving their customers' challenges. So moving
0: back to interest rates, so particularly last year, you know, rates going up very quickly over a short time period, that put pressure on tech stocks as a whole. So rising interest rates devalue the future earnings expectations of of growth stocks, um, in particular technology companies. And as a result of that, you know, we've seen valuations cool and share prices reprice. Did you make any changes ahead of interest rates going up or Jordan the process of them going up?
1: Well, the first thing I tell you is we made changes, but we didn't make enough, nor did we make them quicker. Uh, quickly enough, um, so that's you know, with hindsight of tw- you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But we did start changing the portfolio um, fairly aggressively in June of twenty one. So that you know, that's that's a while back. Um, we didn't change it enough, um, and therefore, you know, we we, we unfortunately um, uh, were part of the growth stocks pulling back, and and, and you know, and that didn't help our performance. Um, I will tell you, as I think about interest rates and um, some of the companies we invest in, many of the companies we invest in have subscription business models whereby they incur the cost in a given quarter, yet they only recognize a fraction of that revenue because a subscription may go over three years, right? so. From a, if you have that environment coupled with interest rates going up, because those companies a lot of times are actually losing money um, from an accounting perspective, um, you know that's not that's not great, uh, and that and that that can be really painful. I think the more the more interesting part of the interest rate discussion is. You know, if you talk to most businesses, one of the things businesses don't like is just quick rates of change, right? Things that change really quickly. And with interest rates, we saw them change extremely quickly. And I think that makes it very difficult to plan your year if you're a business or plan your next you know, 18 months because you just don't know kind of how is that initial move that was so much, which was so much more, which was much more dramatic than you expected is that going to persist and therefore i think that, that that drove some of the weakness in tech spending because i don't think businesses knew kind of you know what what how long does this last or is this the first, you know is, is the steepness of that of that slope going to continue so i think that's probably my bigger my bigger worry was my bigger reason for tech stocks not working last year. Um, Interest rates obviously is one, but also just businesses just couldn't plan. And therefore, if you can't plan what your future looks like, you're probably not going to spend a lot on, you know, uh, you're not going to have a whole lot of discretionary IT spend. You're going to have needed IT spend, which is why when we think about sectors that have better... Characteristics from an investment perspective. You know, we try to identify those sectors that are going to do um, ev- do well even in a tough spending environment. So, what sectors would they be? Sure. I mean, so, you know, I we just talked about one of them, which is cybersecurity. Look, I think that in in if. Um, for those of you, since it's a podcast, I could show you a great visualization, but I can't. I'll articulate it. But you know, if I think about movement to the cloud, right? Yeah, you know, everyone would probably assume that we're you know fifty percent there, on workloads going to the uh, going to the cloud. And I'm gonna get this number. I think right, but it's I. we think we're only at like nineteen percent of workloads moving to the cloud today. Um, it's either nineteen or twenty one. I don't have the presentation in front of me. Um, uh, and over the next and by 2030, that number is going to go to, to like 45%. So there's still a lot of workloads that are going to be moved to the cloud. Uh, And that's something that, you know, it's just a huge driver of spin if you just think about what it means to companies uh, from a, you don't get stranded with legacy technology. You're able to focus on basically optimizing your business for your customer as opposed to orchestrating underlying technology, which is a real pain in the tail. so yeah, I like the cloud. I like cybersecurity. I mean, look, it goes without saying when you have somebody like a Bill Gates talking about artificial intelligence and it and it being the next you know internet slash smartphone. You know, this is not a man who shoots from the hip. He's when he says stuff, he's extremely deliberate. So I like you know I think that's an interesting. I think electrification of vehicles is a really interesting space. We have a lot of investments in the ecosystem around that. So those are just a few of the things things that I think you know are are really really relevant themes on a multi-year basis
0: and when you were doing the portfolio review ahead of interest rates rising was it the tech companies that are not making profits today that you were becoming more wary of investing in
1: so look, what we did, uh, Walter and I started doing this in June of 21 when he was still running the portfolio. We went through and said, you know, went and talked to businesses and, and asked them about the changing cost of capital, which by interest rates going up by definition, that changes your cost of capital. And we really, you know, we had to make some hard decisions because some of the organizations we spoke to really didn't want to adjust their, their business accordingly. And you know, at the end of the day. Our fiduciary, my fiduciary responsibility—it uh, was our when we started it, but it's mine today—is um, to our shareholders and really making those hard decisions on. Yeah, it may be a great business, but if that business doesn't acknowledge that a we need to adjust our hiring, b we need to adjust our spending because our cost of capital, you know, is changing, then that's just hard to underwrite. You know, and I wish them well. The companies that you know, and some of them, I'm sure, will be really successful. But I, we, I thought the prudent thing to do was to really think about near, think about companies that were willing to acknowledge that they needed to adjust their businesses. Based upon a changing changing cost of capital and a changing end market, and look, you know, I, I go back to the, and, you know, I go back to this notion that, you know, in software it's probably a little more difficult because of the subscription model, but many of the companies that that, that we'd already owned were kind of getting to that phase where they're starting to generate uh, really nice cash flows. So in those instances. You know, like that—that—that that, that tends to kind of change the investment um, discussion around those uh, those companies. But at the margin, I'm much more cognizant of a company being uh, profitable sooner, if possible. With the caveat that sometimes it just makes sense to invest, um, and if you know us, we look at a lot of sectors and we walk away because we just say to ourselves, there aren't enough gross, there aren't enough gross margin dollars available for the competitors. So that's where I think it really goes back to. It's super important to have a process to think about. Uh, technology at a subsector level, and then and then once you kind of look at that subsector, you know what are the barriers to entry? How important is you know, management? What's the next product these companies are going to sell to those customers? Um, and, and if I in that's something that you know we've been working. On our investment pro- process, well, heck, I've been at I've been at the fund for uh, going on 13 years, and uh, you know it preceded me. But it's this constant refinement of really drilling down and thinking about what makes a company great, and more importantly, what makes a stock great, right? And you know that's a fact, That's a multifaceted um, uh, approach to looking at, at our invest our investments.
0: There's a number of tech themes that you invest in. You've yeah. mentioned you've mentioned some of them, um, yeah. particularly cloud computing. Yeah, these are very much long-term themes. Yeah. is it a five to ten-year view? And I, suppo- mean- I suppose this underlines the importance of investing for the long term in technology.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the interesting thing is um, these products create such unique competitive advantages. Um, you know, and if I look at the valuation of some software companies today. Uh, And if I kind of, if I look at it on a time series, it really goes back to kind of the 2017 levels. Um, And I think about the relevancy, uh, and this is just at a high level, just from a simplistic perspective. If I just think about how relevant software is for businesses today in 2023 versus 2017, it's day and night. Um, and therefore when i look at the valuations i am cautiously optimistic that that is a secular play, that is a secular sector let me be really clear i think you have to be a stock i think you need to do stock picking i don't think it's a rising tide lifts all boats but i look at some of these businesses and i think about the the durability and where the valuation is and i think it's a really compelling investment
0: and finally breakthroughs in artificial intelligence have been coming thick and fast this year yeah So leading the wave of progress is um, OpenAI backed by Microsoft, whose ChatGPT software can interact with humans intelligently via text, and it can even offer solutions to computer coding problems. So Google's launched a rival called BARD, and Meta is um, working on the same sort of technology. So how will this type of technology
1: change the world? What sorts of industries will it disrupt? I mean, I, I don't think it, I don't think there'll be an industry where it isn't disruptive, primarily because if you think about artificial intelligence and you think about data and, you know, I worked at Oracle many decades ago and our biggest challenge was we knew we knew the questions we wanted to ask. We just couldn't we couldn't manipulate the data quick enough to get the answers. Or if we did it, it was so expensive that You know, someone's like, great. So, you know, you answered a $5 question with a $25, you know, answer. That's not so interesting. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that, uh, I think that, 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 that artificial intelligence is going to change most companies, uh, lives, whether it's um, figuring out what customers to call on, whether it's making employees, you know, in, in, increasing customer satisfaction. I'll give you a personal example. Um, a friend of mine who's a physician uh, is the chief innovation officer at a large um, health maintenance organization. So think of it, you know, NHS type of scenario. And uh, we, we happened to go to a basketball game a few weeks ago, and he said to me, you're not going to believe what this does to the delivery of healthcare." we're going to decrease the delivery of healthcare and we're going to increase the outcomes and it's because it's through artificial intelligence so like if I, if you take that you know if you think about healthcare and the challenge globally whether it's the United States or the UK just with delivering efficient healthcare in a cost-effective manner it is a real problem um, and i'd make the argument the UK is probably better at it than the United States from a cost perspective um, uh, I'm not sure if the satisfactions is high, but I think from a cost perspective, it's probably better here. Um, but you know, to hear an industry, um, you know, think about the relevancy of of, uh, of artificial intelligence and what it means to patients and to process and to their, to their organization. It was just really eye-opening for me to, to, to hear him say that. And it isn't the first time I've heard that now. I really think it's going to be one of those things where the application of it is going to change most industries. Um, I mean, if you think about it, if you're a salesperson, um, you know, selling software, you know, wouldn't you love to know? um, when you get into your, you know, when you get to work as opposed to, um, you know, looking at some data and having a gut feel, which by the way, the data gets rid of some of the gut feel, but really kind of having a roadmap as to hear your accounts, Where should you call on? How you know who should you call on in that organization? So I think that you know, and I think about creative types, right? I mean, think about just marketing and how much content needs to be created. And most marketing people, I think, if you spoke with them, the part of their job they love is the part that really allows them to be super creative, not to kind of uh, go back and have to recreate. You know, boilerplate is probably the you know, too strong a word, but stuff that they've already done and stuff that I, my guess is, isn't, isn't really exciting. So uh, you know, I think it has an amazing promise. I would also encourage your investors to just be cautious because, you know, uh, you know, there is Wall Street tends to get really excited about things um, and really upset about things. Right. So there are these two extremes. And in between is there's a lot of opportunity. So, you know, I would I would approach it with a somewhat cautious view near term just because there's so much excitement. But it, but it is definitely a real a real theme, and you're going to see, you know, billions and billions of dollars, you know, spent as companies, you know, learn to implement it and and use it to the to their com- competitive advantage at a business level. Well, rather selfishly,
0: although I'm probably not alone in thinking this, I'm I'm hoping that it doesn't put me out of a job.
1: I don't think it'll put you out of a job. May make your job more interesting.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it could replace me as host of this podcast. It's, you know, it's, (laughs) I've not watched it, but you know, I've seen (laughs) in the news, there's been a fake, but very realistic version of the Joe Rogan. Podcast that yeah. was generated by um, ChatGPT. I mean,
1: I, I had a good. Uh, I had, and this, is, uh, I, we, I won't give you too many examples, but a friend of mine's daughter is in college. She, she um, submitted her, her CV to ChatGPT along with the companies she wanted to interview with uh, for a summer internship. The cover letter was the cover letter that was generated was so good um, that her parents had no idea, my friend read the letter and and it had been generated by ChatGPT and that was blown away with how good the cover letter was. Speaking to the relevancy of her background, relevant to the companies that she wanted to interview with and ChatGPT wrote a cover letter that really kind of hit the cover off the ball.
0: My thanks to Mike and thank you to listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please follow the show in your podcast app and tell a friend about it. And if you get a chance, please leave us a review or a rating in your podcast app too. And in the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interact Investor website, which is ii.co.uk. See you
1: next week.